Hey guys, this is The Real Estate Podcast and it's your host, Alex Kaufman. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I need you to do me a solid. Hit that subscribe button on your phone if you haven't done so already and share this episode with just one person. It's gonna help us get this information out to more people to learn about entrepreneurship and real estate. Thanks, now let's dive into today's episode. Real estate's what they need to be doing, you know, with AI and Elon Musk saying it's going to be the end of humanity if we don't control it. And, you know, all these hedge funds spending all this money, BlackRock's raising $30 billion. Like real estate's like the one thing that technology can't replace. Nobody can take away. So people need to be investing in real estate. I don't think like the world's coming to an end or anything, but it's the only hedge against technology and against um, anything really is buying real estate. It's a hard asset that everybody needs to be investing in. So I'll just leave it at that. Go invest in real estate. All right, everybody, welcome to the Real Estate Podcast. Today, we got a special guest. We got Sam Prim, owner of Faster Freedom. He's a real estate investor. He's really big on social media. We've been following him for a long time and excited to have him on today. I know that you guys watching are going to gain a lot of valuable insight. Thanks for joining, Sam. Welcome yeah, to the show. I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. So uh, I found your uh, Instagram channel, I don't know, maybe uh, two years ago, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people uh, experience this and they, they probably seen your, your, uh, your Instagram channel and TikTok and everything else that you do the videos on and the uh, shorts and the reels and everything. They're only about 12 seconds, 30 seconds. They really uh, don't provide a tremendous amount of information about who you are, but you tell your story about how you own all these rental properties uh, and gain a lot of cash flow, and you bought all these using other people's money. So if you don't mind, uh, it'd be good to kind of hear your background, how you got started in real estate and how you came across uh, buying rentals as a form of uh, creating freedom for yourself. Yeah, for sure. So my story is not unique um, in a good way, I think. So I'm just like a normal dude from the Midwest, literally smack dab in the middle of the country from Missouri, um, grew up smack dab in the middle of the middle class in Missouri. So, um, you know, didn't come for money or anything was on that path that most people are on, you know, going to high school, going to college, getting a job, contributing to your 401k, starting a family, kind of that whole path that a majority of people go on. Um, and I was doing that and there was nothing really wrong with that. But during, you know, the beginning of my, you know, big boy real life job, I just was noticing that I wasn't quite as fulfilled as I wanted to be and grew up playing sports and competitive and, you know, wanting to see your hard work rewarded by, you know, equal reward, not working extra hard at a job and not really making any more money or being able to have a ceiling at what you can make because there's just only so much you can do when somebody else is your boss. So I was doing that and my buddy that I grew up with and we had a couple of businesses in college, you know, painting, uh, painting houses. Um, we tried being bookies for a while. So uh, we, we had some businesses that we'd done in the past and we decided to start investing in real estate on the side. The goal was never to go full time. The goal was never to even be financially free from it. The goal was just to buy a rental a year for 10 years and after 10 years sell them and be able to retire a little bit earlier or get a big chunk of money. That was our goal. But as we started to invest in real estate on the side with full-time jobs, we started to realize the power of it and how it was more fun than work for somebody else and that our ceiling was literally infinite if we continued to go down the path. So we started to carve things out and um, you know spend more time doing it. Then eventually about four years after we started it on the side, we both, uh, Luke's and I went full-time um, going into real estate and that was in 2018. And we kind of been going, going gangbusters since then. 
Very cool. And what were you doing uh, as your full-time job prior to quitting? I was a sales manager, actually. Sales manager selling uh, local uh, uh, for a local Caterpillar, Caterpillar construction equipment dealer. So it was a, it was a good job, and, and I was actually making good money, but um, it just wasn't quite uh, what I wanted to do for the next you know thirty five years. Right. And then uh, how or why real estate? Did you know other people who were buying rental properties, or what intrigued you guys to go do that? Yeah. So real estate is kind of one of those things. that's the extremely low barrier of entry. You don't need to have like a, you know, you don't need to have a tech background. I don't need to be able to figure out how to code. You know, I don't need to figure out how to develop an app, you know, I, and you can do it in your spare time. It's not like opening up a landscaping business where you got to be there, you know, or managing people or, um, you know, it, it's a good side hustle to start if you have a little spare time or a lot of spare time. And if you have a little bit of money or a lot of money, it's just a really good place to start. Uh, we read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that you know opened up our minds to the possibility of things. But then just looking at, you know, the time we had and the money we had, and you know, what's there's very few things that you can spend, um, you know, what you know, 15, 20 hours a month, and none of your own money, and actually substantially, you know, uh, you know, get financially better from. So it was just one of those things that it just made sense. Ninety percent of millionaires are created through real estate. You know, we're we're stupid, but we're not that stupid. Let's not try to um, go after, you know, uh, a portion of the 10% of millionaires that aren't real estate related. Let's do what 90% of millionaires do and let's get in the real estate game. And it was perfect. We could spend, you know, 10 hours a week on the side doing it one week, five hours the next week, 20 hours the next week. And eventually we got to the point where we're like, well, let's spend 60 hours a week doing this and see where it can take us. Yeah, yeah it's fun, man. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your process, your trying to acquire more properties, the, the market has shifted and changed. Um, what is your process like as granular as you want to go for, you know, how do you go about your days, your weeks, your mindset on what you're trying to build? Yeah. So what's helped me grow the most is having a, a really, really quality team and people that do things better than I do doing them and not trying to control everything. So um, one of the companies I own, Faster House here in St. Louis, uh, we're going to buy about 300 houses this year. So we're a flipping company. We're probably going to wholesale about 200, 225 of those and then rehab the other 75 or 100, whatever the math ends up being. So um, that's a lot of houses. That's a big team. That's like 22 employee uh, company team. And I spend an hour a week with that company. So um, my main focus is, you know, growing their uh, education brand and creating, you know, um, content and growing the Faster Freedom brand. But that Faster House is, is company is a huge part of what feeds a lot of my content, um, what feeds my rental portfolio. If there's a really good deal that comes across, um, we got six full-time buyers. Their entire job is to go buy houses. We spend money on marketing and they spend time running down those marketing leads as well as creating their own leads through connections and resources and other wholesalers and agents. And, um, you know, we got a whole system and process set up there, but, um, you know, basically there, there's that side of it. There's the flipping company side of it that provides a ton of, you know, um, you know, a ton of team members, which is awesome. Um, and a ton of content. And then a lot of houses that we're able to cherry pick and keep the rentals that we'd like. And then there's, you know, the, the rental side, which if we do keep them as rentals, you know, as you mentioned earlier, um, you know, I, create cash flow through that. We have right now sitting at $45 million in rental property that been able to buy without using any of our own money. A lot of that is led through the flipping company. And then also some apartment complexes and self-storage facilities that we've been able to source just from making connections over the years with brokers and just, you know, people kind of understanding our name and that we can, you know, close on a deal and we can execute a contract. 
Um, and then the education brands, what I spending most of my time on the past probably two years, I would say 90% of my time in the past two years has been spent uh, on um, growing this education brand, social media stuff, uh, the mentorship stuff, all those things. So um, those other two companies are pretty passive for me. We're talking like literally, um, you know, flipping company an hour a week, and then um, the uh, my rental portfolio probably an hour a month, and then everything else is spent uh, on the education side. Got it. So you like the education side a little bit more, would you say at this point? Uh, yeah, it's just been kind of my focus. Like I mentioned earlier, Lucas owns all this stuff with me. He kind of focuses on the other two and I focus on this one. So I guess um, I'm dumb enough to put my uh, face on a camera for the whole world to see he's smarter <laughs> than I am. So he doesn't do that. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things growing those multiple streams of income and, you know, focusing on on other things that are kind of maybe more in your genius zone than trying to force something that you're not good at or that you don't like doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you think, uh, you guys have seen with the market shift? Like, you know, it's been a big change you know, we've been doing it for about 12, 13 years and it's a lot different than it was at this time last year. So with everything that you're doing, what have you experienced that you guys have had to do differently to adapt with this market? Yeah. So like a lot of people, we kind of got kicked in the, kicked in the groin there when things shifted a little bit, uh, mid last year when they started raising interest rates with like the pedal to the metal. Um, so we had bought a lot of properties, you know, when you're buying 20, 25 houses a month and you buy them with a certain, you know, price point in mind in the future. And then that price point dips a little bit, you, you lose money. And, and we've actually lost quite a bit of money in that company over the past, you know, eight months. Um, you know, I think last month, you know, or last couple of months, we've kind of been digging out of it, but the end of last year, beginning of this year, we were, you know, I think we lost 80 grand one month, 30 grand another month. So we, we've been, you know, not making very much money in that company because we have a lot of employees and overhead and things to things to look out for. So we just kind of had to swallow that pill and readjust our buying formula. Our average profit uh, per deal, you know, dipped and now it's back to double what it was because we just tightened up our buying criteria and got a little more focused and, you know, focused on the fundamentals a little more and kind of are, are digging our way out of that hole. So in, that's kind of that one company. But in general, what I'm seeing is there's still deals out there. Uh, the competition's gone a little bit, but they're a little bit um, maybe harder to sell than they had been before you get anything that's remotely a deal and you got 10 offers on it, you know, retail and investment. But the past, um, the past probably six months, it's been a little bit harder to sell. But um, we're still able to sell it and, you know, we're still making good profit. We're just trying to make sure we get more deals coming down the line. So it's just to me um, and you guys, have, I've been doing it eight, nine years. You guys have been doing it longer than I have. So it uh, sounds like you guys literally got it at the best time possible. But um, talking to people and just knowing what I know, I think what we're experiencing right now is a little bit more normal times. Like we're still getting over asking or asking on our flips. We're still able to rent. It's just not what it has been. People have this recency bias where if it doesn't sell, you know, for 50 grand over asking with 25 offers on opening weekend, the market's crashing, the sky is falling. And there's, you know, fear mongers all over social media telling people that that feed into that. So, you know, if you do things the right way, we can still cash flow at higher interest rates on our rental properties. We can still flip and make good money. It's just, um, you know, maybe not as easy as it has been. And it's just maybe a little bit more realistic. When I got started in 2000 or when we started flipping at a high level in 15 and 16, it was, you list the house, you hope to sell within 30 days, two weeks in, you do a $5,000 price drop if it doesn't sell and you sell it and you move on. Now, if a property takes a month to sell, people think, you know, the world's ending. So it's just some recency bias that um, is a little bit annoying, but it is what it is, in, in my opinion. So it's, it's, it's still good out there. It's just not quite as good as it has been. Yeah. 
And I imagine buying uh, 20 houses a month, uh, whether you are wholesaling them, flipping them or keeping them. Uh, I mean, a lot of what you talk about is using other people's money to uh, buy these, right? So getting a bank loan, getting somebody else to give you a private loan, pay for the down payment, refine, getting them their money back. Uh, do y'all pretty much stick to that model or are y'all pretty uh, flexible with, hey, let's do a sub two deal here. Let's do a seller finance deal there. Uh, or do you pretty much stick to this one model of uh, getting your down payment covered and using, you know, whatever bank you utilize to to buy these deals? Yeah, no, we're... Majority of what we do is that, you know, the whole Burr, Burr's method with a buying, like you said, using hard or private money and then bank funding. We we have done some seller finance deals. Um, we looked at a couple sub two deals. We've looked at some innovations we've got going. Um, but when you have the the backing of, you know, the company that we've been able to build, fortunately, our private lender network, our, our bank funding and lines of credit, um, you know, we have the ability to close. That's kind of our sales pitch for our sales guys. We have the ability to close on every single property we put under contract. We do not need a contingency. We do not need an option. We can close. Our number um, is firm and we'll stick to it. You know, assuming they agree to it, obviously somebody could come back higher and, you know, offer more with some conditions and we don't win every deal we go out on, but we have the ability to close. So I think that kind of that's kind of the, the the selling point that the sales guys go to. So, you know, somebody would prefer that. They'd rather, most people would prefer just to get cash and be done. When you get in that creative financing or seller financing, those are those are definitely great, you know, arrows to have in your quiver. Um, but they're just not as common of situations as, you know, cash be done. See you in two weeks, you're out. We'll let you stay for a week and get your stuff out and then leave the house out as you're done. That 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 is the easy button for people, right? You don't have to convince them to let you take over their mortgage. You don't have to convince them to, to have, you know, to be have a second behind the bank or things like that. So we do a little bit of that creative stuff and we're starting to do that a little bit more. But in general, here's cash, here's your offer that that usually, um, you know, kind of speaks a little bit louder than some of those creative ways. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, uh, you know, what'd you, what'd you do to build up these, these private connections and these uh, banks and these lines of credit? Yeah. So, I mean, having, like I said, you know, having $45 million in real estate, we have, you know, a lot of good loans out with, you know, uh, three or four different small local banks. So, you know, develop relationships with them, have, you know, cash flowing through their bank accounts, develop relationships with the vice president of, you know, commercial lending or the president owner of the bank in a couple of the cases. Um, so they're, uh, you know, allow you to have lines of credit against your rentals or just have, you know, unsecured lines of credit that you can use at your disposal. And we can, you know, uh, have, you know, lines of credit against our rentals with with other banks. So there's that part of it, just kind of the proofs in the pudding over the past several years. And then um, just, you know, developing relationships with private lenders. You know, we probably have eight that we use on, on a general basis. And, you know, we keep them, their money pretty busy, give them good returns. And occasionally they'll tell a friend or two and bring them in and, and kind of grow that side of it. That That's honestly the private lender side of it. How's we, how's we been able to buy, you know, 45 million in real estate is using a lot of those funds, um, you know, just recycling them through. So it's kind of a combination of things, just running sound businesses, communicating properly with, with uh, lending sources, whether it be a bank or a person or a hard money lending company. And then just, you know, um, you know, just continuing to push through and do deals because they need to do deals. These companies and banks need to do deals to stay in business. They stop doing deals like a lot of business. So they want to lend. They just want to lend to somebody they trust. Yeah. Um, what are some of the, the valuable lessons, you know, you've done, gone through a lot of deals, you've done a lot of things. Are there small little nuggets or things that you've really learned through your personal experience that really stick out to you that might be, um, valuable for other entrepreneurs or investors, 
little things, you know, like I, I come up with time kills all deals, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Um, are there certain things that really hold true to you through experience? Yeah. So there's kind of a couple of them and um, they're, they're not, they're not little, I guess they are, but they're kind of the big, the ramifications of them are huge. And two of them that come off the top of my head, you know, that I think are, you know, maybe a little more impactful than a little deal is, um, you know, just debt, getting over the idea that debt is bad. Of course, consumer debt is bad, borrowing or not even bad. I, I could, you know, we're not bragging here. I could pay cash for my truck or my wife's truck, but I do a loan at 4% um, because I know that, you know, having that cash available and borrowing debt at borrowing money at, at a low interest rate is a valuable thing. Now, if you can't afford that vehicle, then, then don't do that. But debt is not bad. If you're responsible, debt, that can be a great thing. So there's the consumer debt side of things. I make, you know, I don't even know, 800 bucks a month on my credit card points because I pay my credit card off at the end of every month. So consumer debt is not bad. It's just not a way to create wealth. But good debt, you know, investing debt, asset debt is a way to create wealth. People just have this, this mindset that all debt is bad just because of day rooms or what their parents tell them or what society tells them or what school tells them. But I literally own 45. I'm 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 a freaking moron. I'm not really that smart. I'm kind of an idiot. I do dumb shit all the time. Just ask my wife. And I own $45 million worth of real estate, but it's because of debt. If you borrow money, which is debt, to buy something that produces cash and grows in value, then that is a way to create wealth. It's kind of the only way to create wealth for normal people. Like you're not, you're never just gonna work harder and make enough money to create wealth. You might work harder and you know make enough money to buy a nicer car or redo your kitchen, but you're never going to create wealth just from saving your money. Nobody's nobody. I don't know anybody that's ever created wealth saving money. You have to properly leverage debt. So if you're borrowing money to buy an asset that grows in value and produces cash, that's how wealth's created. I mean, Apple's sitting on a hundred billion dollars in cash, and they still borrow money for R and D and design and buildings and things like that. I mean, um, Facebook started out by borrowing money, like companies. These billion these billionaires and these multimillionaires, they all created that through debt. They borrowed money, but they used it to create a service or, or an asset. So just getting over that mind shift that debt is bad and I'm going to get ahead by working harder, roll up my sleeves is huge for me. That's the first one. Um, and then the second one is kind of what I've coined as the passive wealth trifecta. It's it's just shows the power of real estate. So uh, passive wealth trifecta means, you know, over time, real estate goes up in value. It just does. You guys know every 15 years, it doubles in value, you know, even with big dips in between, you know, it doesn't always go up, but it always goes up. If you know what I mean in aggregate. So properties go up in value over time. I don't do anything that happens with inflation and what real estate does. Um, you know, the mortgages get paid down by the tenant. So those two opposing forces working together are massive to create, to create wealth because wealth is created through equity and businesses or real estate. And then the cash flow side of it, that's the third side of the trifecta. So um, the passive wealth trifecta and just the power of that over time. And then the debt thing, I think, are the two biggest mindset shifts or just proof in the pudding to me that have allowed me to create, you know, a, a decent income, a decent living and, and a lot of wealth. Beautiful, man. Yeah, I think uh, those are really uh, important. And a lot of people don't really understand that with real estate. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, what are, what are the goals moving forward? What, what's the big vision for you? And I know the education's big, buy more real estate, but any, uh, anything else other than that, that you're like, this is what we're trying to accomplish or trying to do here. Yeah. So for a while we had the, um, not dreaming big enough syndrome. I, like I told you earlier, our goal is one property a year for 10 years. Um, so we have 10 properties in 10 years. 
Then our goal was 25 million in real estate by 2025. Um, and we hit that in 2021. Um, so we're just like, we just kind of keep setting goals that are too small. So we stopped that. Uh, the two main goals that we kind of have cast out there are a billion dollars in real estate and then bringing an NBA team to St. Louis. So that's kind of our biggest goal, being owners of an NBA team like basketball. Um, Lucas played in college, my business partner. But in general, it just is a good representation of what we would like to do if we were to able ever bring an NBA team to St. Louis, because St. Louis is probably like 40th on the list of expansion destinations for the NBA. It would just mean we made a lot of money. We made a lot of connections in St. Louis, um, you know, with the business side of the community. We made St. Louis a more desirable place. And then, you know, having an NBA team, there would be awesome. And being an owner of that NBA team would be even cooler than just having a team in St. Louis. So that's kind of a pie in the sky goal. We don't hit that. We hit 80% of that. We'll be doing just fine. So that that's kind of our, our long-term uh, calling card to, to bring the St. Louis Archers to, to St. Louis. All right. Love it, man. You heard it here, baby. Yep. What uh do y'all own most of this real estate in St. Louis? Or yeah, everything's 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 in St. Louis. We actually just closed on a um last week on a motel in Branson, Missouri that we're going to be turning into all short-term rentals. Luke is actually driving down there tonight to get construction kicked off. Um, but that's our first out-of-town investment. But our 300 houses we buy a year and um our 42 of our 45 million dollars in real estate is here in St. Louis. Yeah. Were you born and raised St. Louis? Yep. Mm-hmm. Not, not the most exciting city, but it's a good city to invest in real estate. I think uh, we lost like 14%, 15% in 08 as far as, you know, house values. And we haven't seen 30, 40% raises in the past two years, like a lot of people, but it's just a little more steady of a market. So it's a pretty good place to set up camp. And so what all do y'all own with the uh, 45? So you own uh, some storage units, uh, obviously a lot of houses, uh, duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes, small commercial, bigger commercial apartment complexes. Yeah. So I don't know the exact breakdown again. I, like I'm not involved in the day to day, but it's um, it's somewhere along the lines of like 135 single family rentals, um, six apartment complexes ranging from, I think we got nine, 12, uh, 19, 27, 29, 32. So that smaller, um, smaller, smaller to mid multifamily that, you know, 10 to 50 unit is, is kind of the range we're in there. Um, and then, you know, that, that hotel in Branson and then a couple of smaller self-storage facilities. And then we own this office building this 25,000 square foot office building that, that our team is in and, um, we host our, our meetup and stuff in that's here. So we own the, the commercial, uh, this commercial building is kind of our only commercial investment. Got it. And with y'all's uh, marketing that y'all do there locally in, in St. Louis, mostly you're kind of just uh, directing it towards single family homeowners who are in distressed situations or want to sell fast for cash or what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so we spend about $45,000 a month in advertising. So obviously a good chunk of money, but not you know that much compared to a lot of companies our size. Um, that's because we have we have six full time buyers and their goal is for every marketing house they buy to buy one that is non marketing. So through real estate agents, through um, other wholesalers, through we buy a few houses a year from a bowling alley owner, from insurance agents, from elder law attorneys, and and you know senior care facilities. So we have the networking side and the marketing side is and it's about fifty fifty. So we'll buy one hundred and fifty houses this year from zero dollars in marketing spend. So I always tell people if they're looking to buy ten houses or less a year. 
that they shouldn't spend a dollar in marketing. They should spend time networking with wholesalers and real estate agents and have people bring them their deals. Um, but if you're looking to do more than that, then yeah, we do do marketing. Um, we market to distressed home sellers. Like you said, we do a little bit of TV, uh, direct mail, um, Facebook ads, SEO, and then PPC with a little bit of texting in there. So we kind of have a, a market. I mean, we have a marketing department with, with two people in it um, that, that kind of manage our marketing leads and everything like that and kind of keep, keep the money uh, being utilized properly. Are y'all uh, one of the biggest players in St. Louis? Yeah, um, I think technically we're the the biggest home buyer here in St. Louis. Um, the We Buy Ugly Houses, you know, has franchises here. I think they have like fifteen franchises. I think combined those franchises maybe do more. Um, but you know, each individual franchise is owned by an individual or a company, and um, you know, none of them I, I don't believe do what we do. I think we keep track of our market share at um, you know. 10 properties or more is kind of who we, you know, claim as our competition, people that buy 10 properties or more. Um, and and we're, we range anywhere from, um, you know, five to 15% of market share in that range. So obviously there's other big players, but, um, you know, as far as what we can tell, we, we buy as much or more than anybody in St. Louis. That's great. Um, all right. So tell us a little bit more about the uh, education side. Uh, you know, I'm not, extremely familiar with all the stuff you do on the education side. Obviously we see the social media, but tell us about the mentorship program, what you're looking to build there and really what you've been devoting all your time and energy towards. Yeah. So I devoted about two years into making no money by growing the education brand. Um, I guess it all started. I started, Luke's and I started posting on our personal Facebook pages back in 2019 and holy crap, just friends and friends of friends and people were just hitting us up like crazy about what we were doing. Um, at that time, we probably had 115 rentals maybe or something like that. So we had, we're doing pretty well. Um, and people were just crazy about wanting to learn more, you know, real estate was, has been crazy hot, obviously over the past few years. So we started, I started to take it more seriously and, um, started to create like a local mastermind paired with our local meetup that we have and started to like, kind of do a little bit of things here and there, but we're kind of just spinning my wheels, not really making any money and having, you know, 20 mastermind members paying you 500 bucks a month. And, with an employee and overhead and it didn't, wasn't really profitable for a while. And then we started to take it nationally and develop the mentorship. And we launched our, our current mentorship uh, in the end of 21. So we're going on what, about 15, 15 months into that. And that's done really well. We have over a thousand students. We just crossed 1100 students um, in that mentorship. Um, and it's, you know, we're getting 50 to hundred signups every single month. And it's, you know, coaching calls, one-on-one -on -one calls, group coaching calls, a Facebook group, um, you know, 350 videos I recorded that show everybody exactly what to do at every single step and all the resources we use. So I don't need to do a mentorship pitch in here. It's just, it's a very, very um, robust mentorship. That's how we've been able to get, you know, 1100 students in about 15 months of launching it. And that's kind of been um, my focus and kind of a little bit of the you know, seeing a lot of uh, work and energy and, and frustration come to fruition to, to be a pretty profitable venture. That's great. And where does the uh, mentorship uh, congregate at? Do you all have like a private Facebook group or Discord or anything like that? Yeah, we have a private Facebook group. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where the 1100 members are, a private Facebook group. We have members in every state. And um, we actually uh, 
just crossed the uh, two hundred million dollars in real estate owned by by mentor by um, the coaches because there's some couple, there's some coaches that coach it. I don't I don't do the like the day to day coaching or the the mentorship calls. I have coaches that do that. Former students that were successful. Um, so uh, yeah, so we have over two hundred million real estate owned, and we just literally last week had a student put a sixteen pack of houses under contract, and another student put a forty eight pack of houses under contract, and then somebody closed on a quadplex with two duplexes under contract. So it's a great week, and that's what we like to see. But now now that it's been a year and a half almost of um, a mentorship and people are, you know, taking action and sometimes it takes some time to get traction, we're starting to see a lot of people create, um, start to create a lot of wealth. So that, that's been really, really cool um, to see kind of students that are just, you know, somebody's buying 48 houses with 90 um, garage doors that are kind of like storage, like seller financed all because of a Facebook post that he posted that we told him to post. And like his great grandkids are going to benefit from that, you know, all from being in the mentorship. So that's been the cool part of it is, is seeing that obviously the profits there. I got other companies that do just fine. And this one does fine as well. But um, it's really cool seeing the impact because I can only say so much, as you mentioned earlier, on a 18 second TikTok or a one minute reel. You can only say so much. And if you don't brag, then no one's going to watch the video. So they're kind of just an eye roll at certain times. But getting people into the mentorship and, and help people change their lives has been extremely, um, you know, satisfying. And uh, it makes posting annoying things on social media all, all makes it worth it. So yeah, well, that was that was uh, one of my questions was, you know, uh, is ultimately the goal to kind of get everybody in the mentorship to buy real estate together if that if they desire, or maybe you go find a $100 million, you know, apartment complex or something, and everybody in the mentorship buys it with you and just try and get everybody to grow more together? Or is everybody kind of just doing individual things? Uh, for the most part, everybody's doing individual things. It's kind of a single family rentership, uh, uh, rental mentorship. And, um, you know, there's, there's been some people in the mentorship do deals together, but it's not like a syndication for, uh, you know, you know, or anything like that right now. Maybe in the future it will be, but everybody's kind of grown their own thing right now. Um, you know, syndication is a potential avenue I could go down, especially with the social media um, reach that I potentially have. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many options. I never thought we'd have, you know, the goal was just to create something that was awesome that helped people that I could charge money for uh, and make people happy to pay because they get their money's worth. I didn't think it'd grow this quickly. So um, haven't really thought too much, just trying to fulfill what we promise when people sign up and, um, you know, continually make it better and add content to it. So um, there's those options that, that come along with having a lot of eyeballs and people open up their wallet. So there, there's options out the line for sure. Yeah. And with the uh, social media stuff that you touched on with the, uh, you know, uh, I roll and uh, TikToks or, or whatever, Instagram reels, who comes up with this content? Do you come up with it? Do you have a team that helps you come up with it? Or how'd you kind of figure out your, your groove and rhythm there with the reels and TikToks to really start making this uh, grow? Well, if you guys didn't know, I'm kind of a sociopath, psychopath. So I've, I've spent 30 hours on social media for the past two, two and a half years and creating videos and going back and looking what did well, what didn't do well, why did that do well, why did that do bad? So it's, it's you know, majority of it's been me. Um, and then about when things started to really take off and we started to become profitable in the mentorship, like I said, we didn't make money for two years, so I couldn't pay anybody to help me. Um, but over the past um, year, year and a half, since things really started to take off, I guess about a year of I hired a team, um, you know, I got some coaches on the team, but then I got a couple editors and a social media, uh, a social media guy, Dakota, who helps me with ideas, 
and ideation and editing. And I still do the editing myself a little bit. And then I do, um, you know, then the YouTube and the podcast, obviously I have the team edit and sometimes I'll edit short forms, but um, I've developed a, a brain and kind of an identity of just not being super buttoned up, being authentic. And every time they do a super quality edit, it doesn't perform as well. Every time I just throw something together, put my uh, thoughts into it and do my editing style, it does well. So we're still figuring all that out actually, but uh, I do have a little bit of a team behind me now. Well, and, and uh, with the, the ideas though, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm $45 million in debt, but I own $100 million worth of real estate. And it brings me in, you know, X amount in that cash flow, but this amount goes to my mortgage or whatever, right? To to bring that hook in. Uh, you'd said earlier that if you don't brag, people won't watch it. Or, you know, have you found what did it take you to to find those videos versus, I don't know, maybe other content styles that you had tried to get people to really buy into to real estate? Uh, cause for us, I'll say those are the videos that have done the best for us too. It's like, uh, you know, here's how I made $700,000 in 60 days, uh, by wholesaling dirt, um, or whatever versus, you know, some, well, we would try for real value and real content to try and truly help somebody versus like us bragging about making 700 grand, but no one really cares about the real yeah. value, the real content on social media. It, it's frustrating what I've kind of done and not saying it's right, but so I used to like want every video to go viral. I get so freaking mad if like I put time and effort in something that actually was teaching and nobody watched it. But um, I've got over that. And I've kind of got to the point where every video has its value and a video that's super high quality that teaches and um, cultivates and somebody gets value from if they watch the whole thing. And that gets 10,000 views. And a video of me walking down the stairs with one shoe on bragging gets, you know, a hundred thousand views or a million views. Those 10,000 views may be more valuable to me and my brand and my pocketbook than just going viral. Um, obviously it's great to fill the funnel and have more followers, but there comes a certain point where, um, you know, I just, every video has its place, I guess is the best way I can say it. I, uh, you know, we'll do teaching content. I kind of been going from teaching content to current topic content, uh, to bragging content. And usually the bragging ones hit, but not always. And sometimes the other ones hit, but just getting a variety of them out there and just letting the algorithms and the people kind of decide what they want to see. But just, uh, you know, understanding that uh, a few less views that, you know, impact people is is probably better for everything than every video blowing up and just just bragging a lot. So um, just kind of having a little bit more realistic expectations and just kind of taking them as they come has been has been big for me because I used to get so mad if I put out two or three videos and none of them, you know, performed well and um, it used to be pretty frustrating, but fortunately, my audience is to the size where, um, you know, even a bomb video is going to get 10,000 on, you know, on reels and, you know, uh, you know, and TikTok's all over the place, but, you know, it, it'll still get a few thousand there, if not blow up there. So, um, you know, even a bad video or a video that doesn't perform well, usually will get into the, into the seven figures. Yeah. What, uh, what's your favorite platform? Uh, my favorite platform um, that for me personally is the podcast, uh, the Faster Freedom Show, because I do that with Lucas. That's the only content that we do together. You guys are, are doing this together. Um, we don't, you know, those days goes by, you know, we own building these companies and I don't even see them. So um, it's it's fun to do that with him. It's, you know, catching up, shooting the shit, you know, making fun of each other. And we just don't even have guests. It's usually just us ripping about our businesses or what we're doing, talk a little sports. So I enjoy that the most. Um, but podcasts, as you guys know, are kind of hard to grow. There's no like algorithm where they're going to push you everywhere. I know people can search, you know, real estate and admire your podcast and pop up. But 
um, that it's tough to grow it that way. You kind of have to grow it organically through shares and through, you know, people talking. So um, it's doing all right, but that's my favorite. Um, the most impactful for the business, I think, is probably Instagram, just because it's got a little bit of everything. I can do stories to my super motivated audience and pitch something, and it's not going to crush me. The algorithm's not going to put me in jail because I pitched something or send them to YouTube or a website or a sales funnel. And then it's got your reels. It can really blow up and get millions of views and you know hundreds of thousands of views. And then it's got your messenger, which I can really interact with people, send them my free training, answer their questions, send them pre-recorded pre questions, send them a voice note to answer their questions as I'm driving. Just a really great way to cultivate an audience. Instagram's kind of got like the best of everything, the messenger, the stories, and then like the static posts, as well as pictures, you know, pictures and carousels. So um, Instagram is like the, probably my favorite as far as that goes, because TikTok, you know, nobody uses the stories, nobody messages on TikTok and YouTube, you can't even message. And um, so Instagram kind of has the best of everything, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Uh, what can we do? What can our viewers do uh, to help you out? And maybe there's someone listening to this right now who's in St. Louis and they've got, you know, a portfolio of houses they want to send you. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, Instagram. So that that's like I mentioned, that's I'm the one that answers the messages. Um, some, day, some days it takes me a couple of days to get the messages, but I answer all the messages in there now uh, um, or always that there's like some pre-recorded, if I'll say somebody to type in free or new, it'll send them an all populated like training. But as far as people's questions, I'm in there. So um, at same faster freedom on Instagram, on any social media, uh, follow me there. And then the podcast, the faster freedom show, but if they want to connect personally, um, you know, at same fast freedom on, on Instagram, and then, you know, obviously follow wherever they're there, whatever social media they're on, I'll, I'll be on there. Very cool. And then any uh, last things you want to leave the viewers? I don't think so. Appreciate you guys having me on. Just let people know that, uh, you know, real estate's what they need to be doing, you know, with AI technology. I just recorded a video on that with AI and Elon Musk saying it's going to be the end of humanity if we don't control it. And, you know, all these hedge funds spending all this money, BlackRock's raising $30 billion, like real estate's like the one thing that technology can't replace, nobody can take away. So people need to be investing in real estate. I don't think like the world's coming to an end or anything, but it's the only hedge against technology and against um, anything really is buying real estate. It's a hard asset that everybody needs to be investing in. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Go invest in real estate. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Sam. Have a good day, Sam. Appreciate, Appreciate it. You guys.